Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You are listening to iFanboy Talksplode with Cena Grace. Welcome to another episode of Talksplode, our comic creator interview podcast. And this time, we have comic book writer, artist, and editor, Cena Grace. You might know Cena's work on Iceman, many creator-owned projects, and even Power Rangers. In 2023, Cena released Superman, The Harvest of Youth, a YA graphic novel that he wrote and drew. Well, let's not waste any time. Let's get to it. Here's Josh Flanagan talking with Cena Grace. Hey, this is Josh with iFanboy, and I'm here today with Cena Grace. Hello. Hi. Good day. <laughs> you, uh, you are, uh, you're a comic creator. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say writer. I wouldn't say artist. But you've done. You've worn many of the comic book industry hats. Uh, yeah. And and I feel, like I, I feel like I first knew you as an editor who then did a book. Um. So I guess what, what I would go with is, uh, you know, what when you, what did you want to, what did you want to do in comics? Like, what? How did you end up in comics? What was? You, what's your goal? Where do you on your way to? Well, the, I mean, the funny thing is, I I, I hit the goal, which is a weird existential crisis when you don't have like lofty ambitions or, or you learn like, Oh, like I could have been loftier. And that's sort of something I'm working on now. Like what, what next, you know, like how do I level up and, and, and we can get to that in a second, but like the, you know, the, the legend goes or whatever that, uh, in my fifth grade yearbook and I posted this online here and there, it, you know, every few years I'll, I'll, I'll throw it back online, but like my fifth grade yearbook, uh, it has, you know, your dream job or whatever. And, and I said, comic book illustrator. Um, so it's, you know, I'm following the whims of a 10 year old. I'm following the whims of a nine year old. I'm following the whims of a kid who would look at Chris Pachalo's generation X and like try to draw his friends like generation X characters. Um, which I guess I did. I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> because it's like, I like, you know, the, the this image book uh, I, I write and draw called Rockstar and Softboy, like, it really is just injected with friends of mine in cool outfits. Um, and, 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 and kind of super, there's a supernatural bent, like, you know, there's like zombies and werewolves and witches. Um, comic book. Yeah. I, it, it's so funny. Cause I remember like talking to Eric Stevenson, <clears throat> who's like the, you know, head, head, head man, whatever thing at image. And, I was like, okay, should I, should I have this be grounded or should it be supernatural? Like they're throwing a big party and there's going to be, you know, there, there's like a party animal who fucks up the party, but like, should I make it like a weird monster? 
And I don't know, like, he's just so funny because he, he, he loves to, like, lead me to water. But he's like, he's like, you'll know what's right. And I was like, I don't know what's right. I don't, it's, it's right there in front of you, though. The whole time, I just keep being like, well, it's a comic, so it should look cool. It's a comic, so it should look cool. And so then, yeah, finally, I was like, oh, yeah, it's a comic. It should look cool. There should just, this thing should not make sense. You know, it should have, like, a little, it should be, like, a little BoJack Horseman-y in that, like, we're going <laughs> to talk about very human things. But it's going to be, like, you know, someone who looks like they belong on, like, a Cheetos bag, like, imparting the message. <laughs> There's a horse standing there, and sometimes they talk about horse things, and it's ridiculous, but then at the same time, they'll all of a sudden, the horse will be doing something incredibly dramatic and, like, heartfelt, or one of the other animals. And I think that it's such a neat balance uh, to be able to sort of switch tones like that. It's one thing that show does really well. Yeah. It's it's not really a question. Yeah, so, you know, um, yeah, for anyone who likes... Now I'm going to say that. For anyone who likes BoJack Horseman... Read this book about two gay BFF who just like sleep around a lot and go on adventures. But uh, <laughs> but so does BoJack Horseman. So you're nine. You are. I'm, yeah, I'm nine. <laughs> you're, you're reading. You're reading. Like, did you have you been reading superhero comics or, or you know for like yeah. as long as you remember? Like, if you're nine or ten and you know who Chris Bocciolo is, I think that's advanced. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like I love Joe Mad. And like, I would like, I, I, my last three letters of my last name are ACE. So I like, I was like a dipshit in middle school and I would sign my spawn drawings, say ACE. And it would right. be like on a scroll, <laughs> like a, like a, like a matted, like a, you know, fucked up sure. scroll. Um, so yeah, I was it, like, I, I loved comics at a young age and, um, and I just, you know, and I just thought it was the coolest thing ever. And I wanted to learn everything. And then, you know, when we got internet in our house, like I remembered, yeah, damn, I was like, I was, yeah, I was like legit from a very young age. Like I was going on like Lionel Francis U's site, trying to figure out like what pencils he used. And, Mm -hmm. um, and I just, I think it was him or someone else was just like, it was Dustin when someone was just like, learn to draw. Oh, maybe this was Kucha. Someone said it anyway, but like, it was just like learn to draw, and it was just a list of like anything that came to mind, like cars, planets, space, clouds, trees, blah, blah, blah. And then finally at the very end, it was like everything. Just learn to draw everything. And I was like, fuck, there's no, there's no workaround. Um, and, and it's I just always fun got- to focus on the equipment. That's good. Yeah. What pencils do I need? And just like, yeah. Well, because no, you draw know, a hand. Just- <laughs> yeah, learn to. Well, that's. I mean, that's the thing I kind of tell people now is like, the tools are important. They they help you level up, but like you got to just you know, like you got to know how to draw a hand. Like, I don't know. What is it? My favorite thing is monsters that was drawn with like big pens. Like, um, you know, and it's an utterly gorgeous book. It's like, yeah, it doesn't matter what the tool is. You just got to know how to use it and be good at things. But, um, yeah. And so then I, you know, I grew up in LA, so, uh, I ended up becoming a big top cow fan, found out that they were a bus right away. Um, got really close with an editor there, Renee Gearlings, and she offered me an internship, um, and like, there I was like, you know, 14 and a half or 15 or something. And like, you know, in the same building as Michael Turner, rest in peace. Wait, and just, wait. So, so you're 14. You probably you, 15, you just, probably 15 you just popped into the office. No, it was the, oh. like, I was writing fan mail. That's how it worked in like, the sixties. Yeah. Hey kids, I'm Stanley yeah. Lieber. Um, <clears throat> no, I, uh, I was writing Renee like like long winded emails. I was like talking about being bullied and she was like guiding me through it. Like it was a very interesting, she took me on, she took me under her wing. Like it was really nice to have a grown up. That's amazing. Like, yeah. Oh yeah. No, I, I, you know, I, I'm glad we're talking about this because it's, you know, I think 
when you get into the tapestry of a person's uh, career, you sometimes like, you know, you, you've set, you've, you've spoken someone's praise so much that you kind of forget to keep doing it. And, and, and yeah, she, she was like, so great, so lovely. And, and yeah, again, a, a grown up without creepy ulterior motives, just right. invested in someone growing up. Right. You know what I mean? Um, it was, yeah, it was like, I'm so lucky to have had that, you know? And, and, uh, and then basically I think after like a year or two of like kind of being pen pals and I did visit once, like one Christmas, she was like, Oh, come like there was a, a comic con poster I couldn't get. And she's like, yeah, I've got one for you. And, and she gave me the like crazy lenticular version and it, and it was a jam poster. Like they had kind of like Mark Silvestri and Billy Tan and Mike and all these other guys and Andy Park, you know, drawing their respective, uh, ladies, um, on a jam piece. And, uh, and, and she gave me the crazy $100 one. And I think she introduced me to Mike that night. I can't remember. And, um, and then sort of after that, I was like, Hey, can I, can I, uh, can I be an intern? And, and she had just, uh, one of hers had just, one of her other interns had like just stepped down. So, uh, she, she took me in, she took me in and, and made me an editorial intern for, for a few years. I mean, at that point, were you still like you wanted to be an illust? You wanted to like draw comics, like Top Cow comics or superhero comics. Like that was was that the thing you wanted to do? Yeah, because I, I, oh, I yeah. tend to think of you as you know you're you're a storyteller. You kind of do all of the things, but um, so at first you just I want to I want to draw, and then that leads you to this other stuff. Yeah, like I always had stories I wanted to tell. So like I I, I like I never it's yeah I was always making my own stories in high school and. Uh, and that even led to like, this is just how much I love comics. And this is, you know, what really baffled me about some of this, like comic skate stuff. And just some of this, like mm-hmm. you know, some of this behavior I was uh, experiencing and witnessing. It's like, do you people not understand that? Like I grew up on top cow. Like, do you people like, do you people not get that? Like, yes. Like I think sometimes a comic book should be about a big titted woman whose powers tear her clothes off. Like, there's space for that. I love those books. Those books are amazing. Like I grew up on them. I wanted to do those books. Like, but also at the same time, yeah, it's like, I also want to talk about a book about like two faggots sitting on a couch playing video games, like next to like a fucking ghost friend, like, or, you know, or a talking cat that turns into a chain smoking girl. Like it's all allowed buddies. Like, and, and, you know, so it just baffled me. Cause it's like, there I was interning at top cow, spending summers working at a comic store summers and weekends. Like it's all I wanted to do. Um, and, and then at that point I'd started getting into indie books and, you know, I was reading like optic nerve and, um, eight ball. I mean, really just ghost world over and over again, but, um, (laughs) you know, and I was learning about kind of like all these kind of different creators and, and even like those weird Kyle Baker, like vertigo graphic novels were really influential. All right. Uh, why I hate Saturn. That's it. Wait, yeah, I why I hate Saturn? Yeah, and I those die guys, at midnight. I, re- I have those. They made me like those were a, those were an eye opening moment. I thought, oh, yeah. I didn't know this was the kind of thing. I didn't know this existed. Yeah, it was like you know, and so then it was. That's I think when it started getting you know. That's when I started becoming more interested in grounded storytelling, and I think it was just because it was where my wrist was ready like as an artist like it's like I wasn't hmm. ready to be like a Michael Turner Jr. you know like do you I, think I you had that in you in retrospect oh yeah I look at some of these things I drew when I was like 13 and 14 wow. 
and and because I also love Greg Capullo's Spawn, and like you know, I was like, this kid could like I could have like you know, I mean, no, so I would have really never been. Because yeah, a lot of people who who come up, uh, who tell, and this is not a bag on your art at all, but well, they'll come up and go, well, I realized I couldn't draw like that, so I started drawing more like me. But I've never talked to somebody who said, you know, like, oh, I could have done that, but I did this instead. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you read Burn the Orphanage, like, I don't, you know, it's yeah. like, it's, it's, it's drag. Like, I don't think it's actually, like, successful. It, it, it's a, like, I think well. it's a... You know, I mean, it, it was cool. I liked the book, but like that, mm-hmm. you know, that was me trying to draw, you yeah. know, kind of gritty fight scenes and big titted ladies. You know, I had topless ninja assassins in that book, like lady assassins. Um, it, you know, I, it's like, I love that stuff. I think that, you know, it's like I grew up, you know, it's like I, I, I was watching like Switchblade Sisters and that was like my way of flirting was showing people that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think obviously there's now a time and place for critiquing that material, but I also think it's funny. I think it's funny and fun sometimes, big titted books. <laughs> I mean, it, it was really, you know, at a certain point when I, you know, when I'm starting to grow up and take comics more seriously, there's air quotes around it. Like you can look at oh, that's stupid, you know, but now in retrospect, you're like, no, it's fun, which is the whole point. You know, like it, it's supposed to be fun and it is. And so the, you know, the younger, you know, 20 year old snob in me probably wasn't fair to that stuff very much. But now in retrospect, I'm like, that's exactly what comics is and should be. And like you said, there's a place for it, I think. So it's it's kind of cool. I, I like that. I, it's interesting to me that that is sort of your jumping off point. I think that makes it, it, it sort of ties things together. So I think when I look at your career and stuff like, oh, that, that all makes sense. But I did not know that that's interesting. You're like, you're like, that's why, like, Ma Kent, like, is always frippling in the book. No, that never happens. That never happens. Sorry. I didn't um, even that know was... that. I don't know that phrase. Oh, did you say frippling? Frippling. Oh. That's when I noticed. When I was like, she's kind of pink haired and hot. I don't know. I don't know what the purists <laughs> are going to think. I just, I wanted, why? Well, yeah, I wanted to make, I just, you know, it's the thing of like, when you think about like, why is like Aunt May like 90? Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, it's like, bitch is like 37, you know? So it's like Ma Kent is like, 50 isn't old, you know no. what I mean? It's like, she, so I just kind of wanted to get her into a, you know, yeah, I, I, I spent a lot of time like thinking about how do I modernize Mon Pa Kent, but we're getting ahead of I'm ourselves. Gonna, no, I'm going to come back to that because it's interesting, but I'm, we're still, we're still, we're still doing building blocks. We're still doing so, building blocks. So yeah, you, what's interesting is though, is that, did you have like, um, like comic book people or did you find them by going to work at the stores and and by being at Top Cow? Like were those those your comic book family or, or did you have other friends that you were like reading in, and talking comics with? In middle school, I had these friends, Yale and Mikhail, and we were such dweebs that like we would literally, you know, those like photo albums where like you peel back the clear plastic and then the paper is just like sticky and you put your pictures in it. And then you close. Yeah. So we would buy those photo albums and then just like spend the weekend like cutting up our respected like favorite <laughs> comic books and and making and, and and seeing who could have who had the better collection of cool pictures and like Yale really liked Dark Child. Um I really liked Witchblade. Yale liked Witchblade too. Mikhail really liked Fathom. I ended up loving Fathom. And that was the thing too is then it was like this like well you no you can't cut up Fathom. Like that's my book, you know. Um and then like I think with Battle Chasers we we divvied up like characters or something. Like I think Yale wanted Gully and I was like, I want red Monica. Um, cause you, cause you know how much I love like a, like a tufty cooch. <laughs> she just had that. Remember that one variant where she just like, it's like her ass is to your face, but then like, it's just like big fluffy muff, like, like covered by like 
just like a like a sheer garment or something. Oh my god! That, so you that, know the I, part where I was talking about when I was a twenty year old snob. That's when all that was coming out. <laughs> and that, so was, like, that was that was I was learning like, sexuality. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I've I, uh, who knows what that could do to somebody. Um, so I'm I'm curious. Do you feel like? Because I know you're you're younger than me, um, but you're not you're not super. It's funny too. As I was reading, and I was like, oh yeah, you're the guy who does young stuff, and I was like, he can't be that young anymore. Yeah. Because I just I thought because I was reading Superman, I was like he's writing kids here, and I was like, no, no, he's not a kid anymore. But I I'm just not. this time has I don't even mean it. I'm just like like I've known you for a long time, so yeah. you you've got to be past. But I still thought you're the kid who draw kids. But uh, anyways, what I was sort of getting at is that uh, did you did you feel like you fit in to to comics? You know, into that scene, like when you went over to Top Cow and, and you met people, you were at the comic store. Did you feel like that was a scene that you could fit into? You know, it, it, because you're a queer kid, you're, you know, that's hard to grow up, you know, in any sort of normal. Did you find like that comics felt like the right place for you to be? Like, a, like I don't want to say a safe space, but like, like you felt like you were part of it? I think, well, I like, I was definitely, I was like, I was ha- I, like, I wasn't hazed any more than I, mean, I was hazed more than anyone else because I could take it. Mm-hmm. And because I think like it also meant deep down, like I like I knew deep down, it's like, oh, you're paying attention to me. You like me more than like the other right. interns or something like that, you know, like, um, which is just like, that's so like freaks and geeks logic. But, um, <laughs> but at the comic store, it was way different. Like, it, you know, it, it was, it, and I think it it's just like, it's so I I had such a weird, profoundly different experience than like, I think other people at comic stores did. Like it was managed by two women um, owned by kind of like these brothers who were so mellow and Zen about everything. Cause they, you know, it wasn't their like primary source of income. So Uh the whole thing was just kind of like, let's just, you know, make this a a cool, great comic store. This is in LA. Which this isn't, yeah, yeah, uh, Heidi Ho Comics, and it actually just, okay. it's been yeah. bought, like, three times over since these guys had it, and and since I w- was there, but, mm-hmm. yeah, it was, you know, and that, and it was the basis of my first comic book that I wrote and drew, um, right. this book called Books with Pictures, which was about this girl that uh, I worked with, Melissa, and just kind of, like, her entry and exit into that comic store uh fictionalized very well you know like she was going through a breakup and just finding herself again in this comic store with these people and and kind of like falling in love with the comic store itself and and making these people her community and then kind of realizing what she what it is she has to do with her life um so that was like my first comic uh it was a six issue series and and heidi ho funded it and and helped me get it distributed through diamond and everything it was very wild. Yeah, I, it's, it's, yeah, it, I, yeah, I have a lot of, uh, like, I'm not particularly religious, but I love using religious terms and reclaiming them without mm-hmm. all the trauma. But it's like, I had a lot of angels looking down yeah. on me. It's, it's really interesting because you, you know, you gave your, you know, your adoration to comics and this scene and you seems like you found a bunch of people who sort of gave back to you, which is interesting to me because especially if we're talking about, you know, early 2000s-ish, you know, it it is today, but even then, like, you think of a comic book nerd, you think of me, you know, just a (laughs) white, straight nerd kid. Um, And, you know, there's pockets or anything, but when, you know, you're talking about Top Cow and those books, I can't think of anything sort of more uh, (laughs) red lines straight down the middle, but you found a space in there and you felt 
I mean, is is that like, did you feel like you were accepted by that thing? That it was, it was, it was a place for you? Sure. I mean, I guess it was just like, you know, I think, you know, it's like, I don't, I think we were all talking, you know, when you're, it's like cookie making, you know, it's like, I was, I was just so interested and in love with how the cookies were made. And Mm -hmm. like, I don't, you know, I think like, you know, Mike Turner was like a lot like Mark Silvestri where here is someone who is just like, like effortlessly cool. And then also trailblazingly talented. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. like Mark did, Mark did a thing that was amazing in the eighties and nineties. And then Mike did this thing where he drew these women in a way that was like Japanese influenced, but like, you know, and then, and then it just sort of like the, in so angular and, and still like people can't really like replicate it. Um, And, you know, and some people don't like it, but it's interesting because I've drawn some drag queens lately for work. And it's like, I look, I still look at how, like I still pull out some of his old sketchbooks because like the way his body compositions and the like ratio of like legs to, to torso is like, it's, it's out of control, but it's really elegant and pretty to look at. Um, and, uh, anyway, so, but they were just like these cool dudes. So it's not like they were like, you know, the the stereotypical like comic goblin, like, Mm -hmm. and it wasn't like our crumb where they were like, you know, like these were, (laughs) these were guys who could get chicks. So like they weren't, you know, they didn't have to like take it out in a group setting. And, you know, so if anything, it's like, they were just like playing video games and drawing and Mm -hmm. looking at stuff and, 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 yeah, I think that's the like, that's the thing is it's like, it's like, you know, it's like we we all like ner- everyone likes that. Everyone likes video games and stuff like that. And I, you know, and I was at a place in my life where I didn't need them to validate me. I just needed right. to figure out how to become them. <laughs> I just think it's cool. And and it, it's sort of the uh, comic book people are my favorite people in the world. I've said this on, the, on our show every time, but like comic book professionals, they're like the best people I've known. And it, it all, and I like to see this sort of it goes back not all of them obviously you've had but you know in general like some of my favorite people make comic books for a living and i and i feel like that's sort of shown through in the sort of experiences that you you've had because it's one of those things where like you could make more money doing almost anything uh yes most people you know (laughs) and so if you're doing it it's because you love it and you have an appreciation for it and even to sit here and listen to you you know talking about uh the intricacy and the and the properties of michael turner's drawings you know that doesn't happen a lot anymore you know, it's not like not a like it's a very specific thing, but you're a comic book person to the extent that you you've seen that and experienced it and and can sort of look at it that way. And I I, I love that. I think that's really great because it's so easy to poo poo you know art that people oh that was cheesecakey or whatever. But like you're a student of that stuff, you appreciate it for for what it is, uh, and that's cool. I wish I had yeah, done that I mean, when I was younger. And I'll be and I'll also be the first to like, you know, slam it too. It's like, sure. I, like I, I'm, I'm going to say this and this is maybe going to get me in trouble, but whatever. This is this is the power of uh, not giving a fuck. Um, it's like it's like I used to love J. Scott Campbell. And it's like, man, that man is so settled. That man is so settled. And just like he has like seven different poses he goes to and he just does the covers. And it's like you were a magnificent storyteller. And now you just, all you want to do is draw a woman who looked like Lana Del Rey 10 years ago. Cool. Like, great. Like, what a waste of talent. You know what I mean? It's like, even if Adam Hughes doesn't do sequentials anymore, I still feel like he challenges himself as Mm -hmm. like, you know, an illustrator. And anyway, so 
this cheesecake stuff, I can, I can, I can, I can, uh, I can definitely keep going. <laughs> no, it's fascinating because it's, it's like there's, uh, I'm just thinking of, like every time I see uh, like a Frank Cho art piece, I, I just think he's amazing. Like mm-hmm. he doesn't do sequentials necessarily very much. And he does, you know, I, I also understand like you can't keep that drive going forever. So if you look at your somebody like, you know, J. Scott Campbell or, or whoever it is, you know, to keep yourself drawing pages at that clip and doing things. And, if, you know, not everybody has that in them after a certain point. You sort of get that thrill. Um, but, you know, and there's almost kind of like covers are now the only place for that to exist, really, at sort of a high level, I think. Um, yeah. And, I, you know, and maybe I'm being mean, but, I, you know, it's like, I guess it's just sort of like Frank Cho is an amazing illustrator, which is why I'm never like, I mean, it's like I like Liberty Meadows, which was a comic sure. strip of his and, you know, but I don't, I, I would never say like, I, re- I would remember getting a book that had Frank Cho interiors and they weren't necessarily, like, they're good. They're great. Sure. They're great. They're great. But like, I think, I think like those, like, da- like that one Danger Girl hardcover is just like, that guy knew storytelling. Like that guy yes. knew a dynamic, how to make a dynamic page and how to make it pop. And I think that that's the part where I just like, that I lament. And like, I still think, you know, and Frank Cho, I think is like Art Adams where like, even if it's just a cover, he's going to draw the shit out of it. Like he can't yeah. be stopped. <laughs> and and you know, and I, and I can I can appreciate it. No, no, when you're sort of less involved as a thing, like, well, I don't draw inter- interiors anymore. And now, like I know enough people who draw interiors, I'm like I understand why they don't draw interiors anymore. Oh, but if, it's rough. If, it's if, hard. <laughs> if all, if all, yeah, no, you know, ten years, twenty years later, you know, I get it. If I'm Adam Hughes, I totally get it. I would stop agreeing to things and then announcing them that don't ever come out. But still, you know, but if all, but if all Frank Cho is here is to draw like a butt. Fine, he draws a butt better than anybody who's ever drawn a butt. So, fine. yeah, that's that's his thing, and and we can appreciate it for that. Um, all right, let me move back a little bit. So, you're you're showing like, had you? It sounded like you were always in the mode of I'm going to make comics. I'm going to make my own comic. But what sort of puts you over the top of the point where you do that series, the the six issues? You know, when you said this is it, now I'm going to have a story to tell. Um, did you feel like you knew what you were doing because you'd spent so much time around prose or um, had you done um, like a lot of shorts or, you know, like how do you get from nowhere to there? I think I, I don't remember how I realized it, but it's like, I think I realized that like after a point, you know, you kind of like, you need a proof of concept. You need to like, you need to have a thing to get more things. Like you can't keep mm-hmm. telling people you're, you create comic books without having comic books to have been, you know, to make. And so I, I, I really, really I feel like someone's gonna listen to this and be like bitch I told you I told you do this and and I apologize I to anyone you around a lot of people who had actual good advice so yeah that's and, I, and, I, and so I because I started this books with pictures book as a zine and I would sell it like whenever I had a shift I would just put like a couple in front of the cash register when I was working and I'd be like look I, I made this and it's about the store and it's only a dollar and um and and so I, I did that like and I learned how to make zines by hand and um and and then from there, I just knew it was about, you know, having experience and having stuff done. And very early on, I linked up with Isabel Struble, um, back then uh, identified as a man and was working on The Little Depressed Boy. And she was like, I, I, a friend connected us. And she was coloring covers for the Books with Pictures series because the insides were black and white. And after a point, I was, you know, just trying to, like, save money wherever I could. And so she was like, oh, like, I'll trade you. If you draw some pages for my webcomic, 
I will, um, you know, color X, Y, Z for you. And that's sort of the beginning because little depressed boy used to be anthologized. Like she used to just, you know, basically do art trades with, you know, whoever she could find, including mm-hmm. like Jim Mahfood, you know what I mean? And Scott Morse. Um, and so, so that happened. And, and, and then that was kind of like over the course of like a year or two or something. And I was getting really annoyed with the strips I was getting. Cause I was getting all the ones where LDB is short for a little depressed way. LDB would just like kind of be like walking and ruminating. And I was just like, <laughs> I want one with one of the cute girls. Like I want to draw a cute girl. I'm so over this. Like, give me a cute girl. Cause I just, you know, it's like I'm coming from, I love drawing cute girls. Um, and so then she was like, okay, I've got one, but that story's like, actually it's, it's like 20 pages in a row. It, it's a long one. Do you want to do it? And I, and I said, okay. And that ended up becoming kind of the first issue of that series. And, um, and yeah, it was a, it was a web comic that I think came out once or twice a week. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm getting a little ahead of myself here, but when we eventually got published by image, it was because we had, I think like 70 pages of material that was just, uh, my arc of my, of my own art. And then before that, like 66 pages or something for what would become like the volume zero. And that was all done in blues. And then, um, then what became the first issue and on that was like full color, uh, for that series. But like that, that relationship started when I was like 18. Mm -hmm. That's young. It's very young. Yeah. Can you believe? (laughs) (laughs) Did you, you don't sound like it, but like, did you, were you confident in your work then? I mean, I'm I'm saying when I'm saying you don't sound like you sound like you would be confident about your work. You sound like you would have been confident about it. Like, did you feel that way about the work when you were 18? You were putting those pages together. You said, give me more pages. I want to draw cute girls. I want to do, you know, it doesn't, you don't sound like a person who was like, I don't know if it's good enough. It sounds like you, you were, you were, you know, you knew you could do this. I didn't. It's funny because I like knew I had problems, but I didn't know what the problems were. I always thought I was, I, the thing is, it's like, I always could see I was better than somebody else. You know what I mean? Huh. And because of that, I was like, well, I'm better than that person. So I deserve a shot too. Um, and I think maybe that's what, what you're picking up on, but it, it, it's really, but I didn't, it, I didn't know sort of some basic stuff like, like, uh, um, like perspective. Mm-hmm. And I remember one time I ended up, uh, there was like a bookstore here called like family that I think like low key, like was owned just by like really cool, like drawing quarterly people. But there was, um, a studio up top and like Jordan Crane, Sammy Harkham, and I think Stephen Weissman were up there. And uh, I was like talking about how I needed to learn to draw perspective. And Jordan Crane was like, you don't need to learn perspective. Just like look at a tea kettle and just draw it a bunch of different ways. Just like turn it around a bunch. You'll learn perspective that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of was going off of that for a while um, being like, oh, I can just figure it out. And, and, and I think that was also like an extreme reaction to being so, um, intimidated by like what it takes to draw like a top cow comic because you know, like you have to be able to draw just like everything has to be hyper detailed when you're doing a top cow book. Right. Like, was that still your goal? Um, no, I don't think, I think that, I think the goal and this was something that was hard to like reconcile when you're marketing yourself to other people. But I think the goal was to have whatever skills that, takes to draw the story you want to tell. And and that's why I kind of did this books of pictures book because Mm -hmm. 
Oh gosh, I'm forgetting. I did do like a Top Cow ebook. Um, I did a book called The Roller Derby Robo Dykes versus the Cannibals. Um, and it was like this like 10 page story. And that was my first thing is I, I self published that. And I made that a, um, I made that a, uh, uh, whatchamacallit. Um, like I, I, I turned like one of my economic projects economics class like I, I turned that into like a project so like the whole thing just kind of like it was its own like ecosystem of like oh I can make my homework about this thing so I can just keep working on this thing and not you know be in trouble at school um so I made a whole project about like oh what does it cost to like print this thing and break even and yada 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 and you know retail price etc cetera, etc cetera. but that was the that I did try that and I did do that um and it was fun. That's clever. And I, and I, that sounds like something I would have done. Like, I don't really want to do this thing, but if I can do it, it'll make me do the other thing and I'll still get credit for the first. That's good. I, That's smart. I was, it's like, yeah, when I, when I did a Jughead book, like I was like reading other Jughead comics and I was like, I am this guy. Like this guy <laughs> just, this guy just like figures out how to make the system work for him. That is all Jughead is. Like he wants to live the life he wants to live, not be challenged. And, and, and make sure that everyone's okay. Make sure that everyone's fed. <laughs> it's like, that's all I want from life too. Um, so I did do one of those. And then, and then I found that it was quicker and easier to manage schoolwork, drawing in a sort of like indie style. Um, and then, and then I think when I discovered someone like Craig Thompson and I saw like, oh, that like, these are the details I care about is like, I care about clothes and I care about textures and textiles and like patterns. Um, I care about that much more than I care about. Like I need to draw, you know, Rockefeller center exactly like every detail down. And, and I think that that was sort of something I ended up just kind of shying away from for a really long time until after college, I did take perspective classes. (laughs) (laughs) Did you, I mean, how early were you thinking about the sort of mechanics of comic book art or as opposed to just sort of doing what felt like came natural, you know, drawing the T-bot and turning it around or, you know, when you start, was there a point where you started thinking about the sort of the mechanics, the, the sort of tools of, of comic book storytelling uh, in a sort yeah. of advanced phase? Well, I think that that was like the thing that really like eluded me for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there was like a, a beat where I was using the, like the exact tools that like, you know, I saw them use at Top Cow or whatever. And I was doing the exact things people were telling me to do. And, and honestly, like Isabel, she helped me in terms of like formatting files and making sure I was doing that right. Mm-hmm. Um, and cause I, you know, I would like, or she would just do it for me. Like I would, I would send her the thing and, and she'd figure out how to format it. And, and then seeing that stuff get printed and being like unhappy with that was like, hmm, I got to hmm. figure out how to do this right and do this better. And that was like a really long process that I think, um, when I started working like as an editorial director for Robert Kirkman, that's like, I think that's when I really, really got a good handle on like, okay, this is, this is how you form, like, this is how, you, you like these tools make you better and this is how actually learning how to use like photoshop just for file formatting can like make the page 20 times better did you did you think uh, um that there was a place for the kind of style that that you were working in and i know that there was a, there was a good indie comic scene at that time um but you know sort of drawing in a more 
I want to say cartoony style for lack of a better word, but a simpler sort of non-mainstream superhero comic style. It put you off to the side of mainstream comics at that point, I think. It, they were separate. You didn't see the sort of crossover that you see now in the different art styles and mainstream books. Were you thinking about that? Were you aware of it? Did you did you want to stay in mainstream comics or do you felt like you had a better, you know, you would have been fine just doing indie comics the way that you wanted to as long as you could do a different style? Does that make I sense? Was, yeah, no, actually, like, I will say I felt that for some, I, you know, and sometimes I still feel that, like, I, I at least now I... It, finally i finally have like a corner that is good and 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 you know but to get to your kind of questions like i felt that all the time like i was like i should be doing this like i should just be doing like it's almost like you know like the portlandia joke of like portland art is like just like you know i should have been just drawing birds you know what i mean mm-hmm. i should have just been doing prints of birds and selling coasters with birds on them and then that would have you know and it's like or i should have been doing like tattoo art you know there i and, and instead I couldn't, it's like, it was just like, no, like all I had time for was drawing my one indie comic and like this one print that like was for a threadless contest that I lost. So I just made a print of it. Like, um, and, and then this other comic, the little depressed boy. And, and for a while I was feeling like, and I'm, I, you know, and I even felt this just like as recently as two weeks ago, uh, this happens a lot, but you do, you do get this feeling of like, Oh, I, you know, I'm making the wrong decisions or I'm not making the right decisions or I'm not, you know, I, I, I could have been doing something differently, you know, and I could have been getting different opportunities, but, um, I'm kind of glad I did what I did because all, everything I did just made me a better storyteller. But for a Mm -hmm. while, until there was like a Jeff Lemire, that was hard for people to perceive. Yeah. Yeah. It's changed for the better in that way i think there was you know there was this style and this style they didn't meet each other and yeah jeff jeff's a really good example of sort of a place in the middle of that so how do you uh, there's I'm, i may be skipping steps but you know the, the first time i uh, was aware of you was that you were working for for kirkman uh you know editing there how did you sort of get from a to z or b at this point because there's many <laughs> letters that come after yeah, I was working retail after college, uh, having another one of my like, you know, crises of faith. And um, Scott Dunbeer, another another editor whose emails, whose email I crept into, really nice guy. I was in high school. And I'd overheard like, one of the clerks be like, Oh, if you like um, Buffy, you'll really like Promethea. The Buffy writers come in and they read Promethea. And so then I picked up Promethea and it was my first, it was my first, um, it was my first Alan Moore book. Yeah. And so I wrote fan mail and I still have, uh, the letter wait, I wait, got. Wait, you were working at a comic shop for a long time and you'd never read an Alan Moore book. No, no, no. I, I was like 14. So oh, okay. 14, okay. Sorry. We went back. Further. I wasn't even, wor- I wasn't even working there at that fair, point. I, fair, start, okay, I started sorry. working there when I was 16. Yeah. All right. That's um, fair. Um, and no one, and, and and I hadn't like I, you know, I was reading like X Men, Spider Man, Batman, and like fourteen oh, is totally um, fair to have not read Alan Moore. That's that's I just I just was at the wrong place in time. Yeah, and so I know we're 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 jumping around a bit, but like so I wrote him an email just being like, I love Prometheus, this that or the other, and I was like, and I think I said something like I was like, oh, is it true like Alan Moore like eats bats or something? And Scott uh, wrote me back, and he was like, Alan was like so taken um by your letter that like he wants me to send you some books like what's your address and literally two days later i get a box from wildstorm that's like the all of the initial abc line hardcovers 
um, as well as uh, Swamp Thing Volume 1 or whatever. And, and uh, Christy Quinn, who was working with him at the time, and now she's her own diva goddess at uh, DC in her own right. She's, I still have the letter. Uh, she's like, more to come. <laughs> That's crazy. Um, isn't Look it? How I know. Though, but like, this, is, this is saying something about you, is that in multiple instances, you've reached out to people who shouldn't really have written back to you, and they did. And then things happen based on that. That's fascinating. I've written I, I a lot got of angels. I guess. I got angels. I got angels. I don't know. I got angels. I'm not disagreeing know. with you, but like, oh, Alan Moore, love, and you know, I've, I've met Scott a couple Like Scott's great. He's one of the best eyes for talent I've ever seen in my life. But that's, that's amazing. And, and like, that's a way better way to discover Alan Moore, by the way, is to read one of his books, send it one letter, and then get a big box of books from him. That's- yeah, I'm, I'm a lifetime fan now. You know? um, <laughs> yeah. So, so Scott and I didn't, you know, he, he's a, he's a, he's a grown man. He, he's, he's not gonna, he, he, he did not become my uh, life coach the way Renee did, but sure. he, he knew I'd worked at Top Cow. And so he sent me an email being like, Hey, like there's this like on the ground editing job I know about, like, do you want to get back into comics? And, and my first reaction was, I didn't know I'd left. <laughs> like I was like, you know, I was doing little depressed boy and, um, at the time kind of floating around, you know, doing other things here and there, like doing anthologies. And so, um, I, I just kind of like laughed at that and I was like, I guess, um, and I interviewed for this job for Robert and basically what was happening was like season one of the show walking dead was in production and they just knew Robert's life was about to get really, really crazy. And they needed to take a lot of responsibilities off of his hands that he was doing himself. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like the letters columns, balloon placements, um, you know, kind of managing deadlines, uh, communicating, you know, between image comics and the creatives and blah, blah, blah. Um, and then like 37 other responsibilities, but, um, sorry, I, I said 370 wrong anyway. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so I, I interviewed for that job and I was working retail and, uh, and then I, you know, and, and I, then I left retail to be a comic book editor for like nearly three years. And, and, and in that time I was still doing little depressed boy. And, and that is when that web series became a comic. Um, and then on weekends, whenever I had free time, I was drawing what would become not my bag, which was Mm -hmm. a book that I wrote and drew about, it was like a Gothic kind of, I call it like Donnie Darko, whereas Prada, like it's a gothic retail hell book. But, um, uh, so that's kind of when that all, that's sort of in the, in the tapestry when some stuff started coalescing. Do you ever look back at that and say, where did I get the energy or do you still have that kind of energy? Um, I still, I don't like, no, I don't know. I still have that energy. Good. I, I it, keep it I still as long have, as you can. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't have the stamina like doing these <laughs> Rockstar and Softboy books. I was doing them, kind of, you know, insane and sort of the same way I was doing Not My Bag and, right. uh, and I'm just like, you can't do this anymore. Like, you can't, you can't stay up all night drawing. Like, it's not, it's not okay. <laughs> it's not cool. Like, it hurts. <laughs> so, uh, were you the first? person to work for robert in that capacity because i know there's a bunch of people who did but I, yeah I like he was la- he was launching the skybound imprint and i okay. was the first employee only employee for over a year um sorry it's like one of those 
things where I've, I've, you know, it's like with time and distance, you think back on that stuff and you're like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I was, I was there for ground zero when that company, I think by the time I left, it had like six or seven employees and, um, and, you know, and there were satellite people like, you know, sure. they had, they had a publicist on retainer and, um, you know, we had a, Tim Daniel who is now doing amazing things. Like he, you know, he right. was like a graphic designer. We could call on when we needed help with stuff. Um, but I was like tech, the first, you know, employee employee. And you were, I mean, that's, that's a lot to sort of move in from what, what you'd been doing. I mean, intern stuff and, and, and working in retail, like you, like you really took on a whole new set of things. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know. I didn't know what I was getting into. And <laughs> you know, it's, I, cause like, I, I remember at one point in the interview process, Robert was like, Hey, and I just got to ask, like, he's like, do you know who I am? Like, do you know my stuff? And, and I, and I said, I was like, I was like, yeah. Like, I was like, I was like, I'll put it this way. Like, I like your stuff. I'd never wait in line to meet you. Um, <laughs> That's beautiful. I've had that thought, but I've never articulated it. That's lovely. Yeah. And that so helps, I think, that's the right thing to say. Yeah. And I think it's a good way to, you know, like, I don't think he wanted a fanboy, Right. Um, I, you know, and so, and it was a good energy for, it was a decent energy for a while. And, um, yeah, and it was cool. And like, he has such great taste in artists. Like yes. it was, it was so great to kind of just get to spend time with like, it, like at that point, it was mainly like Corey Walker, Ryan Otley, um, and Jason Howard were sort yeah. of his main, main people. And then, and then later on, like Sean Martinborough came into the scene with that Thief of Thieves book and Lucas Kettner with Witch Doctor. That was their first original. And, you know, there's just such a great aesthetic. Um, and that was you know, and then goes back to like, that would, those are really good people to like watch and stare at and learn from. So as a guy who wanted to make his own comics, what did you take from that? Like, is there like a a long-term sort of overall, you know, experience from that, that, that you took with you that moved you forward in your career? Because being around Robert Kirkman during that particular period of time, there's, that's sort of, there's not another, I mean, that'd be like being around, I was going to say Jack and Stan in the early sixties, but it kind of is like, that's something that it, yeah. blew up from nowhere. I mean, you know, that's the thing is I, it didn't blow up from nowhere. It blew up from him working really hard and hustling. Yes, no, and absolutely. That, I mean, and, and, but that's, in that's terms of the I mean culture. Say, right. Yeah. And, and all I mean to say from that is like, you know, here is a man who even before the show was very wealthy from comic books. Like he, he, you know, that book was very successful um, and he understands the business of comics and he understands the book market so instinctively, you know, like it's, it, you know, the way he thinks about things and looks at things, it's like, oh, duh, why, why didn't any of us think of that? You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's like, you know, like he took like the very simple logic of just like, you know, and I it, like, sorry, I was going to say, Never mind. Fuck J.K. Rowling. Uh, like, let's just say Lemony Snicket. Like, it's like those, <laughs> those like Lemony Snicket books, like, all the spines are uniform and it just goes one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Like, you know what to do. It's like the same thing with manga and that, and he just was so crystal clear with that vision of just how to make sure these walking dead books looked like everything else in the bookstore, that it was easy for someone to pick up at a bookstore. You know what I mean? And it didn't betray anything about how much he loved comic books. Cause he also knew letter columns are great. Sketchbooks are great. Like, 
I love that stuff. You know, like, let's do that. And so, you know, I think I learned a lot about how to become a businessman. And Mm -hmm. I learned a lot about, um, you know, what it takes to do that. And I, I think it kind of instilled in me that I was just like, I don't, I don't want to do that. <laughs> like, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard and it's, it's, a, it's its own job. And, um, you know, that man works so hard and like, even when we were putting out super dinosaur, it's like, I also saw that it doesn't matter how successful you are. There's just going to be kind of like your version your tier of whatever the hustle is and, and how that's going to affect and impact you. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw that, you know, it's like he worked really hard to, to try and make sure that that book landed impactfully. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and he invested a lot of time and money to, to ensure that, you know, and, and to, and to, and to kind of herald, like bring it in. Um, so I saw that I, and, and, you know, and I, and I got a lot of lessons from that. And I also was just like, I don't want to, I don't want that. Like, I don't, you know, he is, his, his success is not the success I want for myself. It, mm-hmm. And, but I, I see and respect how he did it. And, you know, it's so cool, you know, and he's also, he, he really like, he's one of those people that just like loves comic books. And so like, it's, it, it's heartwarming to just see someone like love comic books and original art, no matter where they're at in mm-hmm. their career, you know? But so when you said it's a thing you don't want, like, is it like, what do, what did you want? Like, you mean you didn't want to like, like being very financially successful or like having a huge reach with the work? (laughs) I don't mean it that way. I just mean like some people are driven to make it bigger and bigger and bigger. And some people just want to tell a story. Like, what is it that you came out of it that you did want? Well, I think, I mean, I just want my own little corner, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, I just want to be able to do it and, and, and be good at it and get better. And something that someone said to me when it came to taking career risks um, and speaking out about some stuff or whatever, like a person was just like, well, I can't because I, I'll always need $25,000 for someone to draw, to pay someone to draw my book, but you can draw your own book. Mm. And I, and I think that that is something Wow. I, a direction I also went in. Yeah. So, you know, this person was just like, you can tell any company to go fuck themselves because you can just go draw your book. But like, I need financing. Um, and I, you know, it, and that, that was really eye opening. And I think it's something that I got a little too comfortable doing. I almost became like Dick Van Dyke. Um, what is it? And is it in Mary Poppins that he's like the one man band? Yes. Um, I didn't it, know you know, where you were I, going with Dick Van Dyke for a second, but you brought it around. I'm glad to say. <laughs> but I, you know, it was kind of like, I think after Robert, I really learned how to be a one man band because I, through that job, I was learning how to like put books together. Um, Mm -hmm. so I, you know, and then, and then doing stuff with image, I really learned like, Oh, I will do everything. And, and part of that was because I also wanted as much time, uh, in terms of deadlines. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I was like, if I graphic design everything and all you have to do is put the indicia text, how many more days do I get? (laughs) um, And so it's like, but I I learned that from Robert because Robert does that. Robert knows how to do everything. He lettered those early issues of the walking dead himself, you know? Yeah. Um, He just can't draw. Um, I mean, he can draw, he (laughs) can draw. What did he drew? I I I doodles doodles really well. He drew something because I, I was buying battle Pope for fuck's sake. Like, I think he drew some of that. 
And even then he had fucking Tony Moore on it. Good Lord. <laughs> it's stupid. Yeah. Um, he has really good taste. Yes. And, and yeah, I just, yeah. Oh, it's but like, yeah, the business of it. He's, he's so like, oh, the thing I didn't want was like, I remember we would be like, I would be calling him to tell, like he had to do something, but he'd be busy because he had to do the business of Robert Kirkman. And I, you know, I remember at one point I was like, no, I put a gun to your head and said you had to do this. Like you did this. Like mm-hmm. it's not my, like my job is to make sure you do this comic book stuff. Like I don't care. My job is to not care that you have any, whatever X, Y, Z, LMNOP business thing outside of this. Like, mm-hmm. like you did that. And I think me saying that to someone is like, I'm never going to be in this. I don't want to be in that position. And mm-hmm. I, and uh, it's like, it's like right now I accept the consequences of that decision. It's like, I don't have, financial security the way robert does um at all but i accept the consequences of that decision you know what i mean Mm -hmm. um i don't know if i get if you know that's also i'm i'm saying this like oh and 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 i could i could be that successful if i wanted to be but no i you know well that's one of those things that you sort of like i do the same thing like well I didn't do that because I probably wouldn't have, and therefore I wasn't going to fit. You know, it's like all these different sort of reasons that you can, which which make total sense. But I, I understand exactly what you're saying. Like to be Robert Kirkman is not just to make the comics you want to make. It's a whole other thing that goes with it. And that's that's a lot for a life to be. Yeah. Yeah. And he's, you know, and like, you know, this is discounting his vision and his writing. Like, you know, he's, mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I know I can't be him because I can't, I can't write like that. I can't do what he does. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, so I just like, I feel like I'm saying like, oh, his success, like he's also like, he does some really stunning writing work. Like he really knows yeah. plot in a way that, you know, a lot of us like can't ever catch up to. <laughs> um, I'm going to skip ahead because we've been going for a while and it's quite enjoyable. We can't be doing this forever. So. I I know again I know you from working for Robert and for uh doing your comics um you know things would come out here and there and then and then what seemed to me from not necessarily out of nowhere but you know you are doing Iceman you, I I know that you you done uh you know some shorts in mainstream stuff uh did it become your goal at a certain point to you know work towards either writing or drawing for Marvel and DC stuff and, and, and how did that come about? I guess. I, did, I mean, again, I never thought, I never thought I wasn't allowed, you know? And then, sure. and, 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 but I will say there was, I did have like a kind of, there was a point where I did have like a very punk vibe and was like, I don't, I don't need it. But then I also hit a place of like, it, but, but I was like, but I was like, this isn't, who cares? Like I can do, like I, you know, it's like, I, why sure. not? Like, why not? I love that stuff. So why not contribute to that stuff? If I'm already over here, I have my corner. I do my thing. It, it, you know, it makes me happy. It would be more punk rock to <laughs> enter those spaces and be better than all these straight people <laughs> at their jobs. <laughs> like it would be better to just like walk in and like clomp in diva down boots and be like, hi. Um, so it was, it just was a thing of like, like, yeah, I, I, you know, I'd done the creator own stuff for a while and, and, and I was like, well, yeah, like what I, I'd love to do this other stuff. Like I'd done some like adventure time, regular show, gem and the holograms. Like, you know, I was doing, yeah, I was doing some interesting, like, um, licensing work. And so then I, I just kind of was like, why not do stuff with them and see what happens. So were you offered um, to be brought in or did you say, I'm going to go towards those? 
I'm gonna like, like. Did you make it your goal to go work at Marvel DC, or or did you get an yeah, opportunity and say yes, I'll take it? This. So the story goes. I like it. Like I said the story goes. So I'm I'm reminded of this because. Like, I'm just like, how nasty do I, how just fucking blunt do I get and like name names? And I don't know, someone, someone really tried to take my story away from me and take credit for Iceman um, hmm. recently. And it, and it made my blood boil because it was like on camera in front of an audience. And I just watched this person like blatantly lie and cut, fabricate a story about how like, he was talking about Iceman with editorial and they thought it'd be great. To, I was like, what, what, anyway, I, that happened. So we're not going to talk about that because I don't need to blow everyone up. Uh, but I was, I decided that I told a friend of mine who was a black artist um, and he wanted to move the needle in his career. And I said, why don't you go to Marvel do the very obvious thing, just draw Black Panther, like literally be like, I'm a black artist, put me on Black Panther, get Marvel fans, come back to create your own with Marvel, with Marvel fans. Right. I was like, I was like, I know it's, it, it sounds grimy, but like, use the system, use the system to benefit you, like get their fans and come back and like, exploit, exploit your identity. You're a stunning artist, but like, just give them the one plus one they need. Um, and then I thought, oh, I should do that too. Um, and oddly enough, Robert created a character named Freedom Ring at Marvel, and he killed the character. And he got in a little trouble for it because, um, you know, the perception was that it was like, you know, it was erasure and he was, or whatever. He was like, you know, killing I a minority. This. And and he was just more focused on like, I wanted to create a hero who doesn't make it. And he happens to be gay. Like, he's like, how is that? How is that bad? And I was like, well, Robert, let me tell you about representation. But um, so I, 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 I kind of went in and, and talked a, around to people about like, oh, hey, like, I can fix this. Like, let me fix this. I can, I studied, I studied representation in college. I like, think about this stuff. Like, let me come in, let me fix Freedom Ring for you guys. And like, let me see if I can get some other work. And everyone was like, no, how about you just do like this? you know, like do this instead. And, and I got introduced, reintroduced to this editor, Daniel Ketchum that I'd met at New York comic con. And he threw me a few gigs. And then, uh, Iceman, again, the legend, I like saying like the legend goes, the legend goes though, that like, I didn't know I was pitching. He was just yeah. like, Oh yeah. Hey, like, you know, uh, we had Bobby Drake come out a little bit ago and we didn't really do anything with it. Like, what would you do? And, I didn't, again, I was just kind of like, oh, blah, 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 flu, flu, flu. And he's like, okay, cool. Yeah. Like I'm, I, I ran that by some people. Um, like, uh, can you put that to me in like a document? And then like, and I also didn't know, like it was a bake off. Like I didn't know that there were other people pitching Iceman. You know, mm -hmm. I just thought I was like having a, I was like, Ooh, I might get a gig, you know? Um, and, and yeah. And then, and then I got Iceman. Um, <laughs> and you hadn't, I mean, you'd never written like a, you know, mainstream work for hire series before that. I mean, that was a full I think on. I, I think I did though. I'm trying to oh, remember. Yeah, well, yeah, there's the license stuff, I guess. I was... Well, when I had done burn the orphanage, you know, right. with, I did, I did that with uh, Daniel Friedman and I'd done a few other things and I did some graphic novels. I'm trying to remember what I had before then though. Cause it's like, I, you know, it does feel like it came out of nowhere, but I, I feel like I, I feel like I'd drawn a lot. Mm -hmm. um, and then I'd done a lot of 
um, image books that, that maybe like wouldn't have been one for one, but it was like, you know, I just didn't think I was like, why not? Like I've, I've, sure. I've worked so much in this industry, but it didn't, I do understand though, that from the outside, it didn't quite make sense. And people didn't really understand that I could write, even though I, I went just, to college for it. I think I just found it surprising because of the kind of work that you had been doing and, and sort of where you came. So, you know, it was again, I was like, oh, they're going to, they're going to, you know, it's almost that, that they, that they figured out that they could work with you and that would be a good thing. But at the same time, you know, when I, when I read the books, like they're, like the Iceman book's polished. It's not, doesn't seem like a guy who's been doing indie comics and never had rules to deal with. It's a, it's a well done comic book. Um, so, I mean, like, it seems like you were really well, well prepared by the time you got to that. Not that yeah, that's making th- it or whatever, but you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I guess I, I'd done some IDW stuff. I just can't remember the names of any of them. I'm such an idiot. Um, <laughs> well, I don't have to think I mean, about like an, not remembering I, anything. Well, I'd done some like Gem and the Hologram stuff, which I really loved. And I will always I will always say yes to more Gem and the Hologram stuff. I love Gem and the Holograms. Um, I can't, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm blanking right now, like what writing stuff I'd done before Iceman, but, but so, I had. Regardless, now yeah. you're, you're this, this, you know, the voice in Iceman. And it's interesting that you brought up the, you know, you're a black artist, go in, do Black Panther. Because I, I ask people this a lot when I have people who aren't, who aren't straight white men. You know, do you feel like you have to do that to get into Marvel? Do you feel like you're getting typecast in that way? Because I feel like, a lot, you know, if, you, if you're a woman who's good at comics and you're going to get the woman, you know, the female characters or, you know, so-and-so is always writing black characters because that's what it is, but... I assume that's not all you want to do. You don't just be like, I'll do superheroes, but only if they're gay. I think, you know, I mean, Where is I've it? heard, well, I've been on panels where I've heard people, you know, talk about this and it's like, I think, I think once upon a time, like maybe, you know, like even as early as like five years before Iceman, it's like, you're looking at someone like Mark Andreco where, you know, he kind of came from like a hard boiled crime Mm-hmm. corner of comics coming up with Bendis and then he really does like doing superhero stuff. Um, you know, like that that can put you in a corner. That can ghettoize you. But I think nowadays um we just have so many great characters that it's like, you know, you you, you a person could be quite satisfied working just with like the black characters, you know, and 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 making them richer and greater and cooler and giving them, you know, defining eras. Um, you know, like that'd be great too. Uh, I think the thing that becomes a problem is you don't, you don't want to miss out on when someone goes, you know, who would do a great detective comics, Mariko Tamaki, you know, cause mm-hmm. then it's like, then we don't have that. And, sure. I, and I thought she was, I think detective is like some of her best, um, non creator owned work. Like she just, her Bruce Wayne is fantastic. And, I mean, and that's um, what I'm getting at. Like, do you, like, you don't want to be the person who can only do this one kind of thing because you can. You could do other stuff. You can do both, and, and and yeah, you know, if you're getting, you don't want to get. Uh, I was gonna say bottleneck, pigeonhole, one of those things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think like typecast is a good one, but yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, it's like I, I think as long as I, as long as I have work to do, like as long as it didn't keep me from, you know, like I got to work on a Power Rangers book. I loved Power Rangers, and I was always trying to get into that office <laughs> a little more than like the variant cover here and there. Like I did a variant cover, two variant covers. And I wrote and drew, um, a story for an anniversary special. And, you know, I just always wanted more from them. And so like, I think it's that where it's like, as long as it doesn't keep me 
from getting to do from getting to be a little kid and getting to do top cow books like as long as it doesn't prevent me from that like we're good you know um and yeah so that's that's sort of how that happened i think a thing that and i would actually say that kirkman and you have this in common is that you were sort of unabashedly uh happy to do the things that make you happy and there's you're like i would do gem and the holograms forever i want to do power and you like you love those things there's no shame about it you want to do them you, the top cows there's a real love for those properties that is like but there's no like excuse behind it like so many people will do well you know it was dumb when i was a kid like you really love those things and it, that's yeah. really cool <laughs> and, still and, have and it I, at this point yeah and well and that comes you know and that comes from like also the editors love these things like um anyone any editor who like worked on gem and the holograms like loved gem and the holograms and, and you know the original Power Rangers editor, uh, Daphna Plebin, like the conversations we would have about like the emotional landscapes of these fictional teenagers in a licensed <laughs> comic book. Like it was fantastic though. You know what I mean? And that's, um, you know, and that, and it just goes back to like, we could all be making way more money somewhere else doing anything. I think I do the math and I'm like, I would be better off if I'd just gotten a job at Starbucks <laughs> yet. Here we are making comics. Um, but no, I wouldn't be making more money at Starbucks. But it, you know, it's, you could be regional yeah, manager. You don't know. I if I had stocks, like I have a friend who worked there and and was at an era where they were like they would give you shares and stuff at oh, that wow. point. And that's yeah, that that that's a nice uh, safety egg to have or whatever safety something. But anyway, yeah, <laughs> you're, Iceman, you're Iceman, 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 Iceman. You're not even sure what a safety net is. Safety just, net. There we go. Know, I called it a safety, safety egg. You know how like those rich people have safety eggs? Those guys. That must be good. That's yeah. how comics gets to you. You just you're so used to having nothing. <laughs> Me and my safety eggs. <laughs> <clears throat> anyway, uh, <laughs> I, got, I got us off on, on a on a thing there. Um, I think that there could be a very long and interesting conversation about Iceman and all that stuff, especially in retrospect that I, we could have and should have, and maybe we should try this again at some point to add to it. Um, so, I, But I'm going to put a pin in it, because I know there's also been talked about a lot in all sorts of places, but I am inviting you to have this conversation with me another time, too, uh, here sure. on the show. Absolutely. But, but Absolutely. I do want to get to the fact um, uh, of, of, your, of your Superman book, and I'm, uh, I, I had it up, so I was looking at it, and I wouldn't forget exactly the title, The Harvest of Youth. Um, the harvest which, of youth. which was out in the in the in the fall and and you reached out to me and i think that the thing that came through uh even just in that email was that like like you were really proud of this book and and you were touring uh in support of it um and and i i love seeing that kind of enthusiasm that goes into a book and it's really interesting to me because I mean, we're talking about a Superman book. There's been a million Superman books. They, you know, there's everybody's had their take on it. Um, and just instantly, when I I start looking through the book and I see uh, your artwork, uh, you know, funneled through the sort of Smallville era and and really beautiful coloring at the same time, um, I thought this is this is a really interesting and cool looking book. Um, and, and why don't you tell? How how would you describe it? How do you pitch it? What's the, what's your sale for it? And, and I don't mean like 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 how do you feel about it? And like you don't have to give me like yeah the, the, it's, the publisher um, pitch. Yeah, it's it's just this really special book, and I'm and I'm you know I'm all the more proud of it. I think right now with where we're at, like I was just reading an article this morning that like the the rate of adult male suicides is like 
growing exponentially. Like I think in 2022, what was it like 39,000 men killed themselves like over the age of 35 or something crazy like that. Um, and, and this book really is, I was asked, I, I was pitching to, um, a young adult editor at DC comics and, um, I came in wanting to kind of do this like wild at heart, green arrow, black canary, teenage thing, like wrong side of the train tracks, love story. And I was like spending 45 minutes trying to like get her to want this. Um, because, uh, I was like, these are the characters they'll give me, you know, they won't give me the keys to, to these other characters. Like, I know how this works. Like I did this at Marvel, like pick a, find a, like, you know, Rick Remender once said, like, just, he said, just like, just like do excellent with the B characters. Like, don't try to go for the A characters. Like, just like, you know, like that's where the gold is. Like, and that's where you'll stay happy too. Sure. You know, once you, once you get their, their A characters, I think it's when you get in the pit of vipers. Um, in, in, in these, in these kind of big two landscapes, but, um, but, uh, so yeah, I, I spent all this time doing that. And then at the very end of it, she's like, yeah, well, like, what would you, yeah, sure. Send me that pitch if you want, but like, <laughs> what would you do with like a teenage Clark Kent dealing with issues of masculinity? And, and I, you know, and I, I'd never been, I'd never thought of Clark Kent cause I'd never, I'd never thought about him. I never thought he was, you know, uh, an area I could look at creatively. And so this book is kind of like, it's, it's such a, it's such a big piece in my life because here's this guy that's been a part of my existence, my whole childhood and everything. And I, and he is such, he stands for everything that like I believe in Mm -hmm. and, and he, and he exudes what I want to leave this world, you know, doing like, I mean, obviously I'm much saltier and, and I give way more cunt than he does, but like, that's fine. But like, he's just such a good person and he just wants to make people better, you know? And, um, so I, I pitched this book basically about, you know, Clark is learning to use his powers. He's kind of learning when and when not to, and, um, some stuff starts happening in Smallville and he's faced with challenges that he really can't fix with superpowers. And it's sort of the beginning of, how, you know, like Superman as a symbol is almost born. Like how does, how does this person developing become, you know, become a beacon of hope? How does, you know, how does he just embody hope? And that's, and it's sort of him developing that power Mm -hmm. Um, because there's like, there's a, there's a suicide on like page 15. There's kind of this like growing online hate forum that's sort of like spreading through Smallville. Um, Lex Luthor and his dad come into town. Luther Corp comes to town. Um, and so it's really like the first time a teenager starts dealing with complex problems. And, and when you're a teenager and you believe you can change the world like yourself, if you just figure out the right way, the right problem solving tools, like it, you know, it was so uh, fun is the worst and most accurate word, but it was so fun to put Clark in that situation um, and, and, and then live in this, and live in this beautiful, like warm hearted city mm-hmm. for, for two of the worst years of like recent human civilization. <laughs> it's like, I, you know, I signed that contract May, 2020 and then mm-hmm. finished my last page, like November, 2022. Like, yeah, it, I got, you know, and I got to, 
I, yeah, I, I stayed alive because I had to, I had to do this. I had this book and, and, and it was, I, I, I was promoting it at ALA, the American Librarian Association Festival thing. I'm a bobber, but I, I was like sitting there talking to these librarians and I was just like, you know, this book is about hope, but it was about hope for me because I was making a book trapped at home with the hope that I would be here in front of you people actually getting to talk about it, that we'd all come out of this mm. and I, and, and, and publishing would be back and people would get to be face to face and I would be holding a book. And I, and I just like remembered holding it and I'm just like kind of staring at it and I'm like quiet for like a few seconds. And it's like this like round table thing where I literally have only 180 seconds to get these 11 people to want to order my books for their libraries. But, uh, you know, it's so, yeah, it's, it's all that. And, and I wrote and drew it. Um, that was a huge thing that, DC let me do and yeah um and we can talk about Marvel later but one of the things they were really weird about was compartmentalizing their creatives and not letting them be both and and really? it was so cool yeah i mean you know they they do it here and there they did it for me i did draw six pages of iceman for flashback sequences mm-hmm. i go back and forth on like it's they did a lot for me but they also put me in corners i was really unhappy to be in but that was, you know, they did they did yield to that. But then at the same time, they also, I remember like C.B. Sobolski being like, yeah, we don't do that at Marvel. And I'm like, motherfucker, you guys just let me do it six months ago. What do you mean? Anyway, um, neither here nor there. We both, there's there's seven sides to that story. But, <laughs> but, but yeah, I was just, it, I was met with such support with DC. And this book is about sort of how everyone fails under the notion of like ma- of masculinity and maleness, like even Clark Kent kind of does, like he, he, even he kind of fails under it, and he's the paragon of maleness. Um, and and so there's there's Clark, he's the paragon there's of like, what maleness would be if it was a wonderful thing. <laughs> exactly. Sorry, like, I'm, just, I'm just I'm looking I'm looking at the cover and it, it it's well because the, f- the original question was you know Clark Kent and masculinity and you're in that room or wherever probably did probably uh, virtual you know. Uh, how do you respond to that at that time? You, know, well, you, just pitch, like, you just pitched this thing for 45 minutes and like, yeah, well, what about this thing you've never thought about before? What do you say? Oh, you get, you get, um, you get, they, they, you know, they say like, oh, come back to us. Like take, take right. the weekend and, and send me a document. And uh, I think that that was either late 2019 or, um, or like January, 2020 when that happened. I'm, mm-hmm. I was trying to see really fast if I could find a picture I took um, when I visited the DC offices. Oh, you were there. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was January 16th, 2020. <gasps> that was the last time I traveled. Like <laughs> I, I, I flew once since then, but like I went on a work trip the 20th of January. I got back and my mom was like, is everything okay? I was like, yes. And then, Oh wow. We weren't even, yeah, it was, we were still kind of like, I mean, because you were East Coast, so there was a little more concern, but yeah, we yeah. were, we were basically my like, mom was oh, ahead of the anxiety. Fine. That's good. Yeah. yeah. Our anxiety didn't happen till like literally end of February. But, right. But yeah, I didn't, you know, I didn't know and I had to think about it. And, um, you know, I think if anyone here is listening to this and, and wants like kind of like an inspirational quote or whatever, it's just like, <laughs> go with your gut, like tell the story you want to tell. Like, you know, it, it, it was a very organic process. Um, and, and the thing too, that was like, I had noticed was you said like, oh yeah, everyone's done a Superman story. Everyone's done this. And, and I was kind of looking back and, and I was going through some stuff and I was just like, no one's really done teenage Clark Kent 
the way I want to. And I was watching old Smallville too. And I was like, Clark isn't really even like in, in a lot of episodes, he's like, not really like an active participant or, you know, Tom Welling is just kind of there looking like handsome and just reacting a lot to things, mm-hmm. not interacting. And, um, and I, and I remember one of the first things I said was I was like, I don't, I, I don't want to touch the fucking rocket ship. Mm-hmm. And I want this to be like pre kryptonite. Like I just, fuck the rocket ship and fuck kryptonite like i'm so tired of those of those being like so tethered to like clark's origin and it, and that's the thing is like what about this middle ground when he learns right and wrong you know what i mean and and zack snyder touched on it and and i really appreciate a lot of the snyder verse but it's like he had some really dark edges to his clark kent that like i was like that's not my clark kent you do you I want to do this though. I want, I, I, I like Clark Kent being like that Jeff Loeb, Tim sale, Superman for all seasons, yeah. you know? Um, but it's a complex book and it's a, you know, the book gets dark and, you know, and he doesn't have the answers and, you know, and, and he even runs into Pa Kent not having the answers. And, um, and I just, it's, I, I'm proud of it because I think we're really, a lot of us are really struggling for a million reasons right now. And here is a book that, you know, I think can speak to that and I think can give someone hope and I think can make people feel a little safe right now. Um, I, I was reading this LA times article about suicide and literally like it, like the only, the only kind of solution uh, that is being offered right now to this rise in men killing themselves is just like compassion and vulnerability and talking about it. And that's like, and that's the best solution. Like even my book can come up with, I think there's other stuff and there's more nuanced things, but, um, you know, that's the, like, I just, you know, I feel so much more proud to have, to have done this. I think that, um, I mean, Superman's kind of the perfect character for that kind of thing. And I, I like that. I like that you're a person who, um, you have different voices and different things that you're writing, but when you know you're talking about this this character Superman and what he should be, and so this is you saying, all right, so what's the ideal version of the best guy that there could be? Um, and I like how we are thrown right into things. I, you didn't have to explain the origin. You said the rocket ship, the whatever. It's just like he's he's already going to school. Pete knows what's going on. There's other stuff going on. We're just in it, and I thought. Oh, this is this is like the formation of the person who becomes the best guy. And when I say that, that that's my version in my head of what the best version of a person could be. It's just, you know, like they're empathetic, they're caring, they want to do the right thing. They don't know automatically what the right thing is or think that the thing that they're doing is right. And I thought it was a really nice sort of approach to that, I guess. And I and I like that Again, you know, you're you're a person. You said you said kind of punk rock comics, and it's like, yeah, that's actually kind of what I was thinking. Is punk rock can be all sorts of things. Um, you did a book about a band and young people, right? That was, yeah, that getting was, it together. There it is. I had, yes. to look, I had to look at the spine. Getting yep. it together. Yeah. No. Uh, so like you know like you know if if you said to me you know like well what does Cena do like you know Iceman kind of pops up, but I think of those other books first. You know and and. And then so you come into this and it, it's so bucolic and, and I like that just the soul of, of you and what you appreciate about a Superman character is sort of right there. The covers, like the, 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 the sort of front and back cover as they sort of go together designed, you know, like it's, it's a really lovely sort of drawing of sort of, like you can see it's not a heroic 
pose, he's looking out of the field and thinking. Like, he's mulling over something. Like, how do I do this better? How do I do this right? Um, and I think that really comes through. And, and it's very cool. And obviously, that's what's important to you uh, through it, too. So I'm gl- they should give you Superman. That's good. You should write the main book. Go for it. <laughs> I, uh, I'm like, I'm reading Josh Williamson's and I'm just like, oh, my God, it's so hard to write. It's so hard to write Superman after he figures it all out because it's just like, mm-hmm. you know, because he's also like incredibly intelligent. So it's just right. like you're it's like he's fighting like the Riddler Solomon Grundy, like all in one, or like it's like he's always just finding like smart, strong people, and <laughs> and you got to come up with these like cool, death-defying images, and um, and and you know it's like I like that stuff, but like yeah, it, it, you've got to be, it's a, it's a kind of clever that like I haven't practiced a lot mm-hmm. in, and I don't know if I'm, I don't like that's the thing where I'm like oh, I don't know if I'm better than these other guys at that, like that's <laughs> I'm, <laughs> that's well, I mean, the part where I'm like no, no, you're good at that, you guys are great at that. <laughs> you know well enough now. I mean, I'm, I'm telling you, but you know. You you know you studied under Kirkman. You you said something. You know you studied under under Remender to that. So like write the B character. Like that's a brilliant statement from him. And I and you can see how he worked it really well. Like Josh Williamson was designed in a lab to write mainstream superhero comics by the issue. You know, and so yeah. You know, and you're you're you you can do all sorts of things. Uh, I don't think anybody can do that. Like Josh Williamson says, except for jeff johns I think those are sort of two perfect examples of that person so who knows um but uh i don't know i didn't have a, i didn't have a thesis there that i was getting to at the end but uh i'm fading because i was sick and i realized I only have so much <laughs> in me um but see i was so into the conversation that i wasn't even coughing most of the time so i'm gonna get off of this and just collapse but we're good now Perfect, perfect. That's that's exactly how I want to leave yes. everyone after a conversation. Yes, just collapsed, collapsed, and, and heaving, and exhausted. Wheezing. Yep, <laughs> but not in a bad way. No, oh, see, no, yeah. actually, in a bad way. See, this is not good. No. <laughs> <clears throat> I like that you can be you and then also write the Superman. I, the range of that is just lovely. It's delightful. <clears throat> I mean, I love people. Like it's you know, I yes. I have so much love, and I think that that's the thing too. In that book, there's like. You know, I introduced a new character, Gil, and he's, like, so salty. Um, And, you know, and it's, like, and that was half, like, a love letter to some of my friends in high school. But then also half, like, you know, like, Gil and Lex Luthor, like, these are people where... You know, it's like, it's like that, that's where I can put like my, my, my garbage thoughts is into those characters. Like, uh, one of the biggest things I fought for in that book was like, and it wasn't a big fight, mind you, because again, DC was really supportive, but like, I wanted Lex Luthor to be drinking wine in the book. And so like, he's drinking a lot in the book, but like, um, you know, DC was like, well, he's underage. And I was just like, he's yeah, a bad guy. but like, yeah, I was like, but it's Lex Luthor. Like he would be. And, and there's a scene where like, Clark is like, they're at lunch. He's like, oh my God, is that wine? And like, <laughs> he goes, he goes, are you drinking? And, and Lex is like, he's like, he's like, it's a, he's like, it's a mediocre Malbec, like not meth. Chill out. Like, um, <laughs> and, and just sort of like that. I just wanted, you know, it's like Lex Luthor just being so just like, ugh over everything was like that that's where i get to be me but then i also i can i can counter it with you know the person that's like well we all should be better versions of ourselves <laughs> we shouldn't be this all the time here's clark you contain multitudes can you believe can you believe that we contain we all contain multitudes yes. but some people contain more multitudes than others and i mean that in the best possible way because some people i believe may not contain multitudes and uh 
they're less fun. Yeah. Yeah. And and they're fun also in their own way when you're like, oh, you literally, you are like conceptually meat and potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> Can't make me laugh. I cough. But it's actually <laughs> funny. At least you know that I'm not faking it. All right. I am totally falling apart right now. <clears throat> okay. I, I have kept you for too long. Thank you so much, though. <laughs> So listen, I'm I'm serious. The next time uh, that there is a reason to talk about something, or even if there isn't, when I when I'm like, oh, I got to do one of these shows, you come back. I think we have a lot more we could talk about. It'd be very fun. I had a lot of fun. Uh, I did too. Yeah, please. Awesome. It was this was the, it, uh, you've you've also kind of uh, uh, instilled hope in me. I don't know. Ah. It's interesting. You, yeah, I mean, again, this tour was great, but it was hard, and so it's good to uh, it's good to kind of hear. Because I think you you run a certain corner of comics, and so to hear you perceive what it's looked like from the outside is like it's helped me be like, okay, so this is this is how I do the next few years. Okay, got it. Because I've <laughs> you know I'm definitely feeling a little like you know it's yeah you you do this too long and you you start wondering like why am I following the whims of a nine year old boy? But um, <laughs> you're, here I am. you're gonna send me an email in a month. You really fucked me up, dude. I, why did you say that? Like, I didn't know. I was just making stuff up. No, in a up. good way. Good, good way. You fucked me up in a good way. It's, right. it's, yeah. Or yeah, even. Yeah. Good. Perfect. All right. You're, we'll you're collapsing and I'm, I'm thriving. Um, but no, thank you so much for <laughs> You're very welcome. Thanks for reaching out. I'm glad you did. Same. I mean, I'm glad you reached, wrote back. So thank you for having me. And, uh, yeah, thanks. This has been, this has been great. And I hope you feel better soon. And that brings to a close another episode of Talksplode, and another year of Talksplodes. We'd like to thank Cena for taking the time out of his busy schedule to talk with Josh. Make sure to check out Superman, The Harvest of Youth, and his other various comics at your local comic store or wherever comics are sold. Thanks to iFanboy patrons for making the show possible. You can learn more at patreon.com slash iFanboy. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next year. I'm